You're listening to the Gate Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. So we're pretty much halfway through our sermon series through the Lord's Prayer, and, and I hope and I pray as well that that's, it's been beneficial for you guys, at least a little bit uh, in regards to how we're to approach God in prayer. Um, and I hope it's been beneficial because we're going to be continuing through it, uh, continuing through our study and actually discussing one of the, in my opinion, one of the trickiest or, or hardest topics to understand uh, when it comes to prayer, uh, which we're going to be going through the second part of verse 10 in the, the Lord's Prayer, which is, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this is definitely a complicated one. And uh, there's lots to say about it, so I'm going to do my best here this morning. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be cruising through a lot of different points, a lot of different things. I had to cut a lot out. So, uh, but I imagine the community groups will have some good discussions about this one next week when it comes to the will of God. But, um, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Matthew 6. And we'll be reading through the whole Lord's Prayer like we've been doing, Matthew 6, 5-13. And again, we'll be focusing on the second part of verse 10. It will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Matthew 6, verses 5 to 13. This is Jesus teaching his disciples to know us. He says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. But truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. So, over a month ago now, my wife, who's sitting in the second row here, everyone look at her. <laughs> she had she had surgery on her ankle, if you haven't noticed, which which actually and, and unexpectedly, because we thought it would just be like a couple of days recovery or whatever, it actually rendered her basically immobile for over three weeks due to the excruciating pain in her foot. That's what she told me anyways. Um, especially Especially, she said, when it wasn't elevated, so she had to constantly be sitting with her, with her foot elevated in the air. And so, of course, she wasn't able to, to move or put weight on it for a long time. And only in the, in the last uh, week or so has she been able to, to use her air cast that she's wearing there to, to walk a few feet. And she's been walking more and more every day in the last week without using crutches, which is awesome. But, um, you know, and, and, and I see that some of, some of you are, are thinking about her and looking at her with compassion and and you feel sorry for her, and, and you have sympathy for her, and maybe even some empathy for her if you've gone through a similar experience. And uh, that's great, and that's nice and all. She's, she's gone through a rough time. She's gone through a hard time. You can give her your pity. 
<laughs> but this is what I want to ask you this morning. What about me? What about me? Right? Ever since her surgery, she hasn't been able to move around, so it's been, can I get that for you, dear? Let me help you with that. As you wish. No, it's cool. I just sat down, but I can get up and go downstairs and get your nail polish remover. No big deal. But whatever you need, it's no problem, I swear. If I, if I can't carry your burden, I'll carry you. I'm, I'm on it. Your will be done. It's been, it's been so non-stop, non-stop of being bossed around that I'm even helping her in my dreams. So all I ask is, you know, what about me? Where's my pity? Of course, I'm just kidding, of course. I'm, I'm, I'm not being serious, don't worry. I'm, I'm just pretending to be dramatic here, and, and I'm mostly, mostly, mostly just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie, it has been a tiring month, but I don't actually need anyone's pity or, or anyone to feel sorry for me, because the truth of the matter is, is that I've been more than willing to have, and, and I've actually enjoyed the opportunity to help Audrey through her healing process, to serve her, to, 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 to set aside whatever I was going to do to make sure that, that, that she has what she needs and that she's comfortable. And, and why? Because I love her, right? Because I, I care for her, because I, I do desire to see her get better. Because I know she'd do the same for me, and she has. And in the same way, that, that should actually be our attitude and our heart's desire when we come before God and pray your will be done. All right, let, let's think back again, way back to when I was being all dramatic and full of self-pity. I, I, I'm sure if you were put off by that, right? You'd be like, oh, what a whiny little... And we don't have to finish that sentence, because I'm sure you get it, right? You're like, wow, that guy's ridiculous. His wife's in pain and he's all whiny, right? But, and, and I wanted to, to give you that example, because I think... That's often how we approach this part of the prayer. Begrudgingly. Thinking we're not going to like it. And we're like, oh, you know, we're, we're angry or afraid. We'll have to set aside our own will for, for something worse or harder or not as fun. So our prayer ends up sounding more like, fine, have it your way. Right? And I think that sometimes the truth is that, that God does have to take us through a pride-crushing gauntlet Sometimes, so that when you can even get to that place, sometimes, like, you know, some people have experienced that. You know, where we're finally forced to realize his ways are higher and better for us, like the story of Jonah, for example. But the way Jesus, Jesus is teaching us to pray this here isn't supposed to be begrudgingly, but passionately, desperately, willingly. Let's, let's take a second and think of how God's will is accomplished in heaven. Because it's supposed to be accomplished on earth as it is in heaven, right? So let's think of specifically the, the, the angels and the heavenly host. And don't get me wrong, a lot of the, the heavenly beings and spiritual stuff, that's, that's still a mystery to me and to all of us, I'm sure. But what we do know is that the angels are always excited and passionate about doing God's will. They're ready and willing to go wherever and do whatever at God's work. And they're so excited and passionate, they're, they're freaking out shepherds, right? And, and this is where we should be as Christians. In fact, Jesus is teaching us here that a disciple's desire, one whose heart's been regenerated and made new by the grace of Christ, our desire is, is for God's will to be done. 
That's what we should desire. Because a disciple loves Jesus. Because, because we've experienced the will of God in our lives through, through salvation. We've experienced His grace and we want the whole world to know it. Because we're citizens of the kingdom of God and we want to see our King reign in glory. Like we talked about last week, right? But, if, but again, I'd argue that if, if this, is a, this part of the prayer is hard for you to pray and you can't pray with that attitude... Chances are you've completely missed all the previous parts of the Lord's Prayer that were supposed to come before this. And the Lord's Prayer is in a specific order. It's not random. So my prescription would be to start from the beginning and set your eyes back on God. Because at this point of the lesson, we come to the crux of centrality of what prayer is all about. It's to encounter God so that we can align ourselves with God, to encounter God so that we can align ourselves with God. J.I. Packer, theologian, he writes, Here, more clearly than anywhere, the purpose of prayer becomes plain. Not to make God do my will, which is practicing magic, but to bring my will into line with his, which is what it means to practice true religion. So to bring my will into line with his. Not, not to come before God so that we can align his will with ours and say, hey, do this, do this for me, do this for me, right? But rather, so that we can be transformed by him. So we can be, be transformed by him. Therefore, it has to start with looking to God. It has to start with looking to God, with making him our center, which, again, is what the Lord's Prayer does. The first half of the Lord's Prayer is about making God the focus, making God the center. So as we encounter him, not as a genie in a bottle, but as a caring and disciplining father who desires the best for us, as we encounter him as holy and set apart, as, as sovereign over heaven and earth, as we consider the glory of his name and what his name means, that, that, that he's a God of justice, compassion, and mercy, grace, and love, as we consider who we are in Christ in light of who he is, as, as, we, as we see and live in the reality of his kingdom come, as we come before him with thanksgiving and praise for our salvation from sin through Jesus, how could we then, how could we then not pray this? How could this not be our heart's desire if we're truly looking at God? How could this not be our heart's desire, Lord, as we look to you, as we look upon who you are? There's no question, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So with our eyes on God, this is a powerful prayer. With our eyes on God, this is a powerful prayer. A life-changing prayer, an an earth-shattering prayer. And, and you know what, I, I can't explain and I don't have the time to even go through through the theology and the philosophy and the existentialism and all this stuff about why our prayers matter in this regard or how they activate God's will and how free will works into this and how God's sovereign will works into this. That's, that's People have written books about it, smarter than me. And that, and that part's really a mystery. But the reality is that God's designed our prayers to matter. He's designed our prayers to matter. One of the primary reasons we're taught to pray this way is because God has invited us and designed us to take part in his plan, to be his vessels, to share in his, in his glory. The philosopher Blaise Pascal once wrote, God has instituted prayer so as to confer upon his creatures 
the dignity of being causeless. God has instituted prayer so as to confer upon his creatures the dignity of being causes. We're taught to pray this way because we're meant to be, in Jesus' name, active, active participants in the work and affecting purposes of God on earth. That's amazing. It's incredible. And somehow then, the, the world around us is eternally changed for the kingdom of God when our wills align with God's will. If we, if we truly grasp this, wouldn't our prayers sound a lot different? How much more eager would we be to set aside our temporal desires and instead pray for God's will to be done? That our prayers make that much of a difference. Which means then, since we're, we're on the subject... That we, that this means that we do need to humbly accept that the prayer, this prayer calls us to deny ourselves. Right? This prayer calls us to deny ourselves. Pretty much in the same way we talked about last week with praying, your kingdom come. We talked about praying, your kingdom come. Not my kingdom, but your kingdom. In the same way, this, this calls us to set aside our own self-centered or, or prideful or even our well-intentioned wills which we tend to pray for our own gain or our own comfort or own status or whatever. And instead, we're called here to surrender to God's will and his sovereignty in our lives. James touches on this. The, the, James, the brother of Jesus, touches on this when he writes in James 4.3. He says, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So there, there is a way to pray wrongly. It's to pray, Lord, my will be done. Lord, my will be done. The opposite of this, though, was exemplified by Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane as he was about to be betrayed, abandoned, and become sin for us at the cross. He prayed this from Luke 22, 42. He said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. And this is the powerful part. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Let your will happen. What a costly but powerful prayer. A selfless prayer of, of submission, of trust and obedience to the point of death on a cross which saved our lives. That's the way we're called to pray as his disciples. Not me, God, but you. Besides, God knows what needs to happen. He knows, he knows what we need. He knows what's best for us. He, he knows the future. We don't. We just guess what we think we'll need, right? But he knows. So to surrender to God's will is to place our faith in this truth and in the same vein rejoice in it. For example, I've been incredibly thankful that, that God refused to grant me some of the things I tried to will for myself in prayer, especially regarding that one ex-girlfriend that I had. 
back in high school. <laughs> Thank you, God. That's the bullet. Are <laughs> <laughs> in the same vein. Are <laughs> in the same. Are <laughs> um, in the same vein. I think we, we sometimes we become frustrated in prayer in our prayer life, only to find it's because we're praying for my will. Right? So, so when we don't see an answer to that prayer that we're praying, we think God's not, not actually answering our prayers, but in reality, He knows better and is in control and is actually answering the prayers we should have been praying if we knew His will. Right? I also rejoice in God for the moments He's called me to, to do something or, or to stay somewhere that didn't make sense or that wasn't maybe enjoyable. It was difficult. Only to find out one or five or ten years later that he had a plan, that he had a reason all along. So, like Jesus did for us, like he prayed for us, it's not my will, but God's will. It's better for us. And then look what happens next after Jesus prays that. Luke 22 43, right after he prays this. And, there, and it says, And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. After praying, your will be done, God strengthens him. We can surmise then, and there's, there's evidence throughout scripture of this, so I'm not just making this up on the go here. But we can surmise then that this, this prayer is also about asking God to, to prepare us, to equip us, and strengthen us to accomplish whatever he's called us to do and to go wherever he's called us to go. It's not just a prayer of trust, but a prayer of obedience. I asked my, my kids this week when we were driving in a car, I was like, what do what you, what you kids think it means to pray your will be done? And, and me and my oldest said, oh, it's about being obedient to God. That's it. The child can figure it out. It's about asking to be made ready and willing for the task. And the truth is, if God's called us, he will equip us. But just as importantly, I think, to pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven is to also pray against the wills and and deceptions of those who would seek to to crush or discourage or dispute it. Right? So in other words, this prayer is also spiritual warfare. This prayer is spiritual warfare. In, in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul reminds us that the, the devil is the prince of the power of the air. So he wants his will to be done. He wants to rule. Right? And in Ephesians 6.12 it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So to pray, your will be done, is a direct assault against sin and evil. Against the plans and schemes of the devil, and especially against those that would try to to convince us that that my way is better, which only leads us to sin. And that that was the trick of the devil in, in the garden, right? Your way is better than God's. So in summary so far then, because I have more points, but I want to make sure we're, we're all caught up, to pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven is to, to joyfully align ourselves with God's heart's desire. It's a reminder that we're called to participate in God's plan. 
It's to deny ourselves and trust in God's ways. It's a prayer of petition that God would prepare us and strengthen us for the task. It's a prayer against the spiritual forces of evil that that their plans would be crushed as God's will reigns. And moving on, then, we need to understand as well that to pray for God's will is also a prayer of acceptance. It's also a prayer of acceptance. It's to look up to God and say, I accept with joy and without complaint. Whether I understand it or not, whatever you bring my way or don't bring my way, I pray this knowing your will will be accomplished through it. And this, and this part can be hard. Because I know that sometimes we might pray earnestly for something and we don't get it. Sometimes we're faced with trials and, and hardships that we don't think we deserve and we don't really understand. And, and in these moments we start questioning God or start getting angry at Him. I've been there myself. Many times. Amongst, amongst many trials and circumstances that, that I didn't really understand that I've, that I've faced over the last couple of years, some of which I've experienced alongside some of you. In the midst of all that, if I can be completely honest and just really open, in the midst of all that, recently my best friend turned from God. And it eats me up inside. At least once, at least once every single day. And I'm left wondering, sometimes in tears, how God could let that happen. How how can I reconcile this? How will God's will be accomplished in this? I, I can't understand it. But I know God. I know God. I know His goodness. I know His ways are higher. So I haven't given up on asking him for the faith to, to continue to pray as Jesus did in his most difficult moment ever. Nevertheless, let your will be done. Because while I can't know the outcome of what the situation will be, I trust that he's a God who can and will work out all things for the good of those who love him. In that kind of mindset, we can accept whatever God brings or, or doesn't bring our way. Right? And, and don't get me wrong here, to, to accept what God brings our way isn't to say we, we give up or that we just give in. But rather, it's a prayer that says, Lord, your grace is sufficient in this. I trust in your ways. I trust in your time. And I lean not on my own understanding. Or as Job prayed, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Pray for God's will to be done is to prepare our hearts for whatever comes our way, is to recognize that God's will can be accomplished and is accomplished in both good times and hard times, even, even as Henry and Bryce were talking about earlier. That God can use trials to accomplish His will in us. And so having this mindset, praying this prayer prepares us to remain steadfast in our faith no matter what comes our way. But in contrast to that as well, and my final point in in this regard, is that to pray for God's will to be done is also a prayer of confidence. It's a prayer of confidence. 1 John 5, 
14 to 15, says, And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. So, this is saying, when our prayer is in harmony and aligned with who God is and with His will, then we can have so much confidence in prayer that it will be answered, that, that we can already claim to have received the answer even while we pray for it. That's how confident we can be when we're praying according to His will. Because God's will is never thwarted. He's, he's sovereign. If He wills something, it will happen. So if, if we're truly seeking His will in our lives, we'll see it happen. And again, this kind of prayer, like we talked about the, at the beginning, this kind of prayer can only come from encountering God and seeking after Him first. Which brings me to the last portion of my message this morning. And you know, since we spent the first part talking about what it means to pray for God's will to be done, now I want to just take a moment to ask the question, how do we know what God's will is? How do we know what God's will is? Because the truth is we can't pray with confidence if we're not sure. If we're not sure, we're just throwing up our prayers and hope and uncertainty. As it says in Ephesians 5.17, Therefore don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So how do we find out His will? Well, if you're waiting for a great revelatory answer to that question. I don't have one. I don't have that. Rather, the answer is simply go to the source. Go to the source. Read the Bible. It's a Sunday school answer, but it is the answer. It's as easy as that. God's will is revealed for us in His Word and His promises. His law, His name, and His character, as Blair spoke about a couple weeks ago. And above all, God's will is revealed to us through Jesus Christ, His Son. Therefore, the more we read and meditate on His Word, and the more we grow in the knowledge of who He is and what He desires, the more we'll desire and pray according to His will. Timothy Keller writes, The power of our prayers lies not primarily in our effort and striving or in any technique, but rather in our knowledge of God. So based on who God is, His his character, His attributes, His calling, and His promises, we pray. Therefore, we need to be continually growing and learning and and reading and and meditating and, and on the Bible and listening to the Holy Spirit as we do that. Romans 12, verse 2 agrees. So do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So learn the will of God. Renew your mind through the word. Be transformed by it. And then put it to the test in your lives. Live it out. Try it. See if it's not good and acceptable and perfect, as God's will always is. God's will is always good and acceptable and perfect. On that note, uh, one of the most quoted scriptures that's prayed in the Bible 
because people keep coming back to this one scripture, is the one where God names himself in front of Moses and describes his attributes. It's from Exodus 34, 6 to 8. You can look that up. And therefore, it's also one of the most answered prayers in the Bible because God cannot deny himself. God cannot deny himself. So when God's people like like Moses and Abraham pray according to who he is based on how God has defined himself, he answers them. He even seems to to change his mind and his judgment sometimes. Like where God's like, I'm going to judge them for worshiping this false god. And then Moses said, but God, what about your mercy? He said, you're a merciful and compassionate God. How will that look to the Egyptians? And then God says, I will have compassion on them. So to that end, to pray your will be done is basically synonymous with praying your word be done. So what does the word say about God's will for us? Well, the Bible is pretty big, but here are some snippets. Jesus himself said, You are my friends if you obey my commandments. Love God, love one another. He also said, Go and make disciples of all nations and teach them about me. We're also told in the Bible that the will of God is to do good in order to silence foolish people. It's to give thanks in the name of Jesus in all circumstances. It's to be sanctified, made holy as he is holy, to abstain from sexual immorality and drunkenness, to build unity in the church and speak to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, that that God wishes none should perish but reach repentance. The, The list goes on. It's all in the Bible. We know what we're called to do. We know what God's will is for us. It's in God's word. The word he gave us to reveal his will. So the point is, the more we understand who God is, and the the more we're changed and sanctified in that knowledge, the more we'll pray in alignment with him and his will. And this this is my prayer for us as well. This is my prayer for us as a church that we could and would grow more and more in the knowledge of God so that we can pray with, with more and more confidence every day. This prayer, your will be done. But with all that being said, one of the um, answers that's sometimes difficult to find and can cause a lot of us some anxiety is when we're praying for, for God's will for us as individuals. Right? It's complicated because the Bible usually isn't too specific or clear on some stuff. Like, like uh, for example, we, while we know we should be Christ-like at work and work is under the Lord, we might not know where God is calling us to work, place A or place B. Right? So we have prayers like that that, aren't, that the Bible isn't clear on, obviously. And regarding this dilemma, I, I think part of what it means to pray for God's will to be done is, is to seek wisdom is to ask God for wisdom in making these choices so that we can make the right decisions. As it says in James, if we, if we ask for wisdom, he'll give it to us. So I think the point is the same regardless, that the more we grow in God, the more we'll be in tune to his leading and confident in our choices. I believe as well that, that as we pray for God's will in these areas that, that aren't specific in the Bible, that the Holy Spirit stirs in our hearts a passion or, or gives us a sense of peace or gives us specific gifts 
or, or spiritual gifts or, or put something or someone on our hearts or, or whatever it is, that, things that God uses to give us direction in these things as well. And of course, we also have a community of believers to pray and confirm God's direction for each of us as well. And so we need to be open and asking for prayer and, uh, and listening um, with humility uh, of the wisdom of people in our church as well. So while things like, you know, should I marry this person or not, questions like that, while they might not be clear, that's partly why we pray this way, to open up our heart to his leading. But with all that being said, he'll work in us whatever direction we go, wherever we find ourselves, if, if we're truly seeking his will and his glory in our lives. And so, in my opinion, we don't actually need to fret or worry as much as we tend to do about these things. You know, when it comes to making decisions about direction in our lives, we tend to, to freak out about that. What, what does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? We don't have to worry so much. Just go and do for the glory of God. But I also want to tack on to the end of this particular subject with a warning for us. Because I think we have a tendency, especially in our individualistic culture, to place more focus on God's will for us as individuals above anything or anyone else. That usually is what consumes our thoughts, and in this part of the prayer, that's, that's where we tend to focus most of our, our, our desire on. What, what does God want for me? What does God's will for me, 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 right? And so we have to be careful there. That this, because this prayer is not just about me. It's, it's way bigger than that. Let's remember that the Lord's Prayer is plural. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago, right? The Lord's Prayer is plural. It's not just about God's will in me, but for God's will to occur on earth as it is in heaven. This is about the whole earth. So while it's, it's fine to see God's will for ourselves, it's also important that we should be praying to see God's will established across the globe. We, we should be especially praying and interceding for each other in this as well. For the church, for missions, even for our nations and, and, and our governments, other churches. Where we, we should be seeking to change, not just ourselves, but the world with this prayer. For the glory of God. For his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. In me, in us, everywhere. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that your will is good, that your will is acceptable, that your will is perfect in all things. But Lord, I know that that it can be difficult for us to, to set aside our own wills and trust in them. Especially in the, in the times that we don't understand, Lord. But I pray that you would create in us the power of your Holy Spirit within us, Lord. Just a, a, an incredible desire and, and a passion for your will to be done. That just as we've experienced your will in us through, through salvation, through the grace that you've poured out upon us, Lord God. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I thank thank you for this church, Lord. I thank you for each and every person here this morning. Lord, I believe strongly that it it is your will that each person is here this morning. 
And I pray that you, you would affect them and change their hearts and draw them into your presence. Lord, I pray that you would also discipline us as your children, Lord, to to remember to to read your word and and meditate on it and grow in the knowledge of who you are, Lord, so that we can not only live for you, but, but pray with confidence and pray this prayer. And that truly, in, in, in my life, in our lives, in this church, in this city, in the whole earth, Lord, let your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen.